This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 173. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host today, Riley Bowman. Today and all, always, right? I was, I was about to ask, like, are, will you not be the host tomorrow? <laughs> and obviously I have with me Jacob Paulson as my co-host and troublemaker. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Today is our usual news episode for the week. We apologize it coming eh, about a day late. We've had lots going on. Uh, speaking of which, lots going on. Lots going on in the news today as well. We're going to talk about some a uh, couple of legislative updates. Uh, last week we had election day. Uh, that uh, resulted in some interesting victories in various states across the country. We'll talk about a few of those. Um, and then we're going to get into a little bit of this gun control debate with a couple of stories. I think it's something that we really need to be raising the alert level on. So we'll get into those stories today, plus our usual justified stories, which today we got four great ones, a couple of stories I'm really looking forward to getting into. I'm sure you are as well, Jacob, you know, including one where uh, a couple of uh, guys try to kidnap a man's daughter. He'll have none. Of th- he'll have none of that. Puts an end to that. Another story where uh, stepson stabbing his or a son step stabbing his stepfather. Do you say stepson stabbing the stepfather? I don't know. <laughs> a witness steps in and takes care of that situation. So anyway, we'll get into it. But today's episode is brought to you by Glock eTrainer. ConcealedCarry.com brings you a simple and inexpensive tool to elevate your dry fire training. No tools required. Just slip on the Glock Easy Trainer. And you can run drills, work on trigger manipulation, and much more without having to rack the slide to reset the trigger after each trigger press. It's a really cool product. Maybe not ideal for learning trigger press, but it allows you to do a lot of dry fire work without that tiresome racking of your slide. So check it out at GlockETrainer.com. That is Glock E as in easy, G-L-O-C-K-E-T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com, GlockETrainer.com. And I appreciate your support of Glock E-Trainer as it supports this podcast. And now we're going to get into this week's training tip that we typically have in our news episodes each week. Jacob, why don't you introduce to us today's tip? Yeah, nothing rocket science from us today, but something that you just maybe haven't done. And as you recall from last week, Riley and I recently recorded a bunch of uh, video for an upcoming course we're going to be uh, making available on our site about car gunfighting, gunfighting in and around a vehicle. And, you know, it, it became abundantly clear, that, like all things firearm related, that if you've never at least tried something, you're definitely going to have trouble with it the first time uh, you go to do it. And, and you don't want that first time you go to do it to be when you're in a live fire, life and death situation. So today's training tip would be go out to your garage, you know, to take your training pistol or your dry fire you know, safety, emptied, you know, cleared weapon with you and sit in your driver's seat. And maybe after you do this in the driver's seat, you could try the passenger seat, rear seats, etc. Put on your seatbelt and draw that gun. Something as simple as that. Just go ahead and try and draw that gun. And there's plenty of you know tips and ideas out there on the interwebs. And we can, I suppose, talk more about it uh, in terms of how to deal with seatbelt and how to deal with steering wheels and things like that. But ultimately, the idea is to get that gun into a high compressed ready as safely as you can without muzzling yourself uh, while dealing with, you know, seatbelts and other things so that you can, you know, orient to target and extend to target. So if you haven't done this before, you know, today's the day. Go, go give that a shot. Yeah, great tip. You know, and I, I would encourage you to not just try getting the gun out of the holster, you know, in that seated position in the vehicle with the seatbelt in the way or practice removing the seatbelt and getting it out of the way and then drawing your weapon. But practice those presentations. Imagine, you know, various different types of, of attacks. If, if you had to use that last resort uh, option of using force from within your vehicle, imagine, you know, retrieving your weapon, drawing it out and then pivoting to your left, you know, to if you're assuming you're in the driver's seat, right? 
and you've got maybe a carjacker trying to gain entry to your vehicle, take control of your vehicle. Uh, they're right there, you know, t- to your left at the driver's side window. And imagine drawing that weapon, pivoting to the left, leaning away from the window and firing through, through the window. And this would be great to do with a cert pistol or other training gun, or at the very least, make sure you have a properly safety checked, uh, uh, you know, live gun that's been uh, unloaded. Like I said, safety checked, uh, at least go through the dry fire motions. I would prefer to do it with a, I got my airsoft gun here in my hand, and this is something I would totally do with my airsoft gun. But just imagine that presentation, what it's like, how it feels, go through those motions, not just to your left, but also to your right, the passenger side window or straight ahead of you through the windshield. So great opportunity to get some reps and it's easy to do in a vehicle with a safe, you know, a firearm or training weapon. And, uh, you could do it right in your, the privacy of your garage. if You got that available to you. So you don't get a lot of strange looks <laughs> from others and get the police called on you or something. <laughs> so that could be a problem. Yeah. 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 So great tip. Thanks for uh, sharing that one with us today, Jacob. Today's episode, by the way, is also brought to you by Guardian Nation and by the new Brave Response Appendix Holster, which just launched yesterday. And wow, is it a hit or what, Jacob? (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the reasons we're late with this podcast is trying to keep up with the demand. Uh, Clearly, you know, people are looking for more comfortable options for the appendix carry position. And uh, this seems to be working out. Certainly, I know it works for us. And so we're really glad to see that other people are as excited about it as we are. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here today. I'm carrying appendix. But I went back to a different holster, which is an all-kydex holster with a sidecar, you know, style spare mag carrier. And, uh, you know, and the reason I went to it is because you took my Brave Response appendix holster that I've been wearing for the last several weeks. Got it right here next to me. Yeah, yeah, you were you decided you needed to do something with it and here I am sitting today far less comfortable than I was yesterday. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Although this is a good holster too. It's just I I definitely have gotten really accustomed to uh to the BRAH Brave Response Appendix holster. Okay, let's get into our news stories. <clears throat> First up, a story out of Michigan and frankly this is Kind of exciting, I think. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree, Jacob. But the title of this is Michigan Senate Approves Bill to Allow Concealed Carry in Gun-Free Zones. Or, and then it puts in quotes, Mass Murder Empowerment Zones. I don't know if that's the uh, author of this article that's uh, in, you know, adding their own interpretation into this. But, you know, gun-free zones we, we can think of as far as, uh, depending on the state, but, you know, v- Quite typically, it's going to be schools, uh, public K through 12 schools. Um, could be a business that's declared that they are a so-called gun-free zone. They've posted a sign or something. And, and, and in some states, um, it could be uh, maybe a, a church or government uh, building or, um, you know, yeah. So all kinds of gun-free zones out there that uh, most of our listeners are probably familiar with. The Michigan Senate has approved a bill to allow concealed carry in many of those gun-free zones. What do you make of this, Jacob? Great. Awesome. Let's remove restrictions about where we can carry guns. You know, so specifically this one that they've put through, it's removing previous restrictions in places like uh, schools, churches, daycare centers, uh, bars, establishments that serve alcohol, dorms, stadiums. You know, when we talk about private places, like like bar is a great example here, or a church, I don't think that the state should legislate um, where, you know, what which private businesses, what private entities can and can't, you know, prohibit guns. That's ridiculous to me. To me, it's like if, if a church or a restaurant or a daycare wants to prohibit guns, like they own the property, let them do it. But to, to force them to prohibit guns via state legislation to me is ridiculous. So I'm glad to see those things go away. Uh, referring to things like schools, uh, dorms, stadiums, and th- in these cases, if the school is a public school, then then you know the government is making a choice about government-owned property, and to that I say, still awesome. Yes, like go, you know, way to go, Michigan. Hopefully, this gets all the way through and gets signed because these are definitely places where we have clear track record in other states where they're not prohibited that it's not dangerous to allow concealed carriers to carry there, even without the track track record. I would still think it's an awesome idea, but. 
given that we have proven track record that these are places where people should be able to take a gun and there's no danger to allow them to take the gun, I say, you know, game on. Mm, Yeah. Great analysis. I mean, of course we agree. I mean, this is a tragedy that we see too often. In fact, just today it's being reported a shooting in Northern California. Uh, I mean, this is just hitting the airwaves now. I mean, so we don't really have any details. We do know that several are injured and a couple are killed. Uh, I think a couple of children I saw too were either killed or injured and as it took place near an elementary school. I'm sick of seeing that crap happen. And not that getting rid of gun-free zones or, or, you know, getting rid of some of this gun control would necessarily stop that from happening. But I definitely am a big proponent of freeing up people to be able to carry more places to give them at least the option to defend themselves if a situation like this arises. So kudos to Michigan state senators, and hopefully this will get through their house and hopefully be passed into law. I think more states should follow suit. Now, some people would think that this type of legislation is insensitive, that, you know, how how dare you bring something up like this in light of Las Vegas and Sutherland Springs, Texas, the First Baptist Church. Uh, I like this quote from uh, Senate Majority Leader Arlen Meekhoff, who says, some have said it's insensitive to bring up these issues now. But I feel quite the opposite, he told a standing room only crowd at the Senate Government Operations Committee. The recent events will allow us to look at how we can deter those who want to do harm. And responsible, well-trained, licensed, concealed pistol holders can be one of those deterrents. Boom. You know, mic drop. Yeah, boom. I. <laughs> it. Yeah, everyone's going to see different solutions to the problem here. And as we get into these news stories, I got some other strong feelings that I'll yeah. let come out. Totally. Let's move on to the next one then. So this last Tuesday, we had, um, you know, it was election day. And, uh, you know, I cast my ballot. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot election-wise going on in, in my particular uh, area or district or whatever. There was not no major state races here in Colorado. Um, unlike New, uh, New Jersey and Virginia that had gubernatorial races going on. And so this, according said to- Goober. Yeah, gubernatorial. I just like the word Goober. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've always thought gubernatorial is a funny word. It's hilarious. <laughs> Goober. Anyway, so this last Tuesday, we saw Democrats win in Virginia and New Jersey. We've got Governor Northam now for Virginia and Murphy in New Jersey. Uh, you know, some are pointing to this and suggesting that, you know, this is a referendum on Trump. It's a referendum on gun rights policies, um, you know, that this is people responding to Las Vegas and Sutherland Springs, Texas and elsewhere and saying, you know, enough is enough. We need to do something about these things, meaning in their minds, increase gun control. What do you say to all that? Well, I think it to me, it's very well correlated with, with some of the other stories that we're going to kind of get into here in a minute. And, and to me, the short of it is, it's true that people want their politicians to do stuff, right? I mean, don't you want your politician to, to do things that you think are good and helpful and stuff? And so- I want I, them to stay out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's my point is it's, it, you know, when these kinds of things happen- and we decide gun violence is a problem. Hey, yeah, like we all agree gun violence is a problem. Like it doesn't matter how much there is. It's always a problem. Like all gun violence should go away. Like all violence should go away as far as I'm concerned. Like my son should not hit my daughter, you know, like because she took his toy. Like, yes, violence is bad. We're we're with you. And so, yeah, we want our politicians to do stuff. And so we're not going to, you know, reelect these guys because they haven't done stuff. The, the problem is in that argument of, well, what stuff is it exactly you want them to do? Um, you know, we, we want them to take away guns. You know, is that is that the stuff? And, and so that's the problem. That's what you were, you kind of alluded to that already, Riley. That's, you know, that's what you were kind of saying is, fine, yeah, we need to do something about gun violence. And we're upset, you know, because not enough has been done. And so we're going to, you know, put in some new governors here because we want stuff to get done. But the stuff is the problem because... What what stuff do you think they're going to do to stop gun violence? Because they don't have any real legitimate proposals that Americans are actually behind um, that would reduce gun violence. Yeah. 
you know, we we are seeing a little bit of a shift uh, politically uh, with this most recent, uh, you know, election race or cycle. Uh, you know, in the last year, we saw four. Um, uh, I just lost the, the word for congressional. There we go. Elections to Republicans that that went to Republicans. Excuse me, since Trump was elected, right? And uh, now we're seeing kind of re- the reverse effect, where uh, it's looking like more typically anti-gun uh, uh, pol- politicians, and particularly Democrat politicians, uh, were very successful in this, in this most recent race. Um, you know, I don't know that this is, uh, granted these are two States, New Jersey. I mean, like that is honestly not a shocker at all. Yeah. That was inevitable. Sure. Like, frankly, I was shocked Chris Christie got elected there eight years ago or however long, you know what I mean? Right. So, so that, that's not a surprise to see it go back to, uh, the Democrats hands. Uh, definitely things will be changing, uh, in New Jersey from Chris Christie policies. Uh, he is tried to do some things to make it a more gun-friendly state, but, you know, within his power, um, that's going to come to an end right now, obviously. Northam, you know, I've been told that he is not as anti-gun as he, as some, you know, might be that were, that would be in his shoes. But I mean, come on, he's not going to stand up to his constituents and, and go all pro-gun on stuff uh, when, you know, we have these these mass shootings going on in this country. I mean, that that's kind of, I think, the point of where we're going to be focusing a lot of our time the remainder of this episode today is if you look at some of these other stories, uh, you know, there's another story coming up here in a minute uh, talking about, you know, basically there there's, there's some signs that, you know, the support for gun control may be growing in some segments of our society. And, I'm, I'm trying to bring it to our listeners' attention because we we gotta we we can't lay down or let our guard down. We've got to, if anything, at this point, we need to start mobilizing our own base. And our, by our base, I mean all pro-gun, pro-gun rights people, which are you know 99.9 percent of our listeners. It's it's going to get scary. I I'm predicting right now that things are going to get scary for us in terms of gun rights. Because there's a lot of of behind the scenes work happening right now, and there's there's already a lot in the scenes, you know, in front of in the public eye, you know, statements coming from politicians across, you know, even some Republican politicians that that are kind of saying, yeah, we could probably do some things, you know, and you know, th- this is not the direct, you know, we've been going the right direction for some time now, and now it's starting to, you know, the public sentiment is trying to bring some of this back a little bit. And that's a difficult thing. I mean, imagine Jacob, most of your average Americans, particularly the, those that are not really into the gun culture, they're probably going to look at a situation like Las Vegas or Sutherland Springs and go, yeah, maybe it's really not that unreasonable to pass some legislation that limits or resp- restricts or outlaws certain types or classes of weapons like AR-15s. People, people, it won't be that hard or that far-fetched for a good chunk of Americans to get on board with that. Yeah. The the devil's always in the details, right? And that's the problem with this kind of thing is it doesn't, you don't have to give people details to just create a rally cry or to get people to sign a petition or get behind some legislation. You just have to appeal to their emotions. And, and that's, that's the challenge. I mean, <clears throat> I'll just kind of go there. We we have you know this next story is from the Free Beacon, and it's it's basically a Republican representative from Wisconsin. Uh, what's his name? Duffy. He's essentially yep. saying that you know his biggest issue with potential new gun control laws is they're a slippery slope. And they talk in this kind of interview he had about background checks quite a bit. So I'm going to come back to that. The next story. So these are both going to be in the show notes is um, from thehill.com. And it's basically saying that these democratic victories, it's all about gun violence and how you know people are, are, are voting against gun violence. And that's why these people are getting elected. They want something to be done, right? So <laughs> this is where it gets messy. This is where we have a problem <laughs> as far as, I, because ultimately let's, let's just ponder on this for a second. If we're, if we're going out and saying, hey, we want to, do something about gun violence and you know someone out there is you know is an elected official and they're saying hey i got an idea let's do something about gun violence let's have background checks 
it, or let's get rid of these semi-automatic assault rifles, you know, like the AR-15, then yeah, some someone is emotionally going to identify with that and say, yeah, that's a great idea because this is how we're going to get rid of gun violence. But when you look closer, it doesn't actually do squat to get rid of gun violence. And that's the problem. Um, and we have another article in here called Hand Over Your Weapons from the Boston Globe, which I am shocked to see this in the Boston Globe, frankly. Um, and and it, again, it'll be in the show notes, but the Boston Globe article actually does a really good job of saying, hey, you got all these people calling for action. You know, Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy says, it's time for Congress to shed its cowardly cover and do something. The time is now. And it's mm-hmm. like, what what exactly is it you think you want to do? And the, the things were, that everyone's asking for, you know, by everyone, I mean all these gun control supporters or smart gun loss or whatever they call themselves, they want background checks. They want everyone to have to pass a background check. Hey, I don't know what to tell you, but the dude who just shot all these people in Vegas and the guy in Sutherland Springs, they both just passed background checks. Right. Um, one of them maybe shouldn't have, but he did. <laughs> you know, he did. Well, uh, you know. You, these these folks are saying that what they want to stop is an, is another Las Vegas or Sutherland Springs from happening, right? right? Right. That's what they're saying that this is all about. But in reality, it's not about that. It can't be That's about evident that. In the logic that you you know, you know what you just explained, these guys pass background checks, so that doesn't address these two particular instances. And it's not just these two instances. I mean, frankly, we could pull the last twenty like major media high profile shootings. And they all passed background checks or took the gun or got the gun from someone who passed a background check. So, I mean, right. San, San Bernardino, that gun went through a background check. I mean, the, the end shooter didn't pass a background check, but someone else did. And then they got them illegally from that person. Um, you know, even, you know, Connecticut, Sandy Hook, did, did that, that, that guy stole guns from somebody who got the from guns in a background check, right? She passed a background check. He took the guns, right? I'm, I'm being generic. But the, the yeah. point is that you look at any of these instances – the shooter either passed a background check or they illegally took them from somebody right. who passed a background check. So, so, it, so this, it doesn't this make very sense thing right here. This very thing right here shows what the true intentions of the anti-gunners is. And it is to just simply gain more control over free loving Americans to restrict the right even further and ultimately confiscate guns. That's and you point. know that, you know, that's what they're after because there's, they're, they're, they're a lot more brave now than they've ever been. They're coming right out and in some cases saying, yeah, and Nancy Pelosi, I mean, a few weeks ago, right after Las Vegas was like, if, you know, if the slippery slope leads to gun confiscation, so be it. Like, you know, like I'm, she's all for that. So that's my point is, you know, we typically see these horrendous mass shootings happen and there's a lot of calls, you know, on, on, from all sorts of sides saying we got to do something. I mean, even on the conservative side of things, and I would agree. I mean, could there be some things done potentially? I don't know. I don't, the problem is it's really not that easy or that simple. And so I don't know what I would say to that necessarily, but I mean, would I love to keep guns out of the hands of crazy people? Yes. I, how do you do that without, you know, Trump, um, trampling over other constitutional rights? I have no idea. I don't know what the answer is to that. Maybe there is no answer. Maybe it's something that we've got to be willing to live with in this country where we do enjoy the freedoms that we have. And the problem is this freedom right now is under attack. People are saying they're freaking out. They're saying we we can't stand for this. We can't keep allowing this to happen. And I, I sense that there is a a broad movement uh, that that is that is you know that is kicking up. Uh, and and we've we have now got to get on our defense and on our guard. Uh, and, and by the way, the only way we can win, I think, in the public sp- in the public sphere, is through education. And well, I don't I- know how we go about doing that the best because here he, and here's why. Hear me out, Jacob, because. The anti-gunners are very good. I mean, look at what Joe Biden uh, just recently said. He he said he didn't think that the, the guy that stopped the Texas shooter, he he thinks he shouldn't have had that AR-15 to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you look at uh, stuff like that. You look at, um, uh, you know, statements from Nancy Pelosi. Every time you say what, you know, what, what they're putting out there. I mean, what they're putting out is lies and misinformation, and they don't care. It's whatever it takes to get their... Uh, uh, you know, to, to to get this stuff through, to pass these these laws, and not because they think well, these laws are going to make any difference, right? Right, <laughs> because it gets it, them you know, closer so, to the objective. 
the, the problem is, is people will hear their words, hear what they're saying. They go, yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, and and they are going along with this agenda without really truly being informed, without fully understanding all the facts, without understanding that, you know, even if we had had increased background checks, these two shootings most likely would have still occurred. You know, they, they don't the general public does not understand and does not see all sides of this and and have the facts in front of them. And so somehow we've got to get those facts out there better. We've got to educate the public better. So that, they, you know, then people can make a little bit more informative decision instead of just believing, you know, emotional rhetoric, which is really what's just going around right now. Yeah. So, so I got two thoughts here and I know we've just covered like four or five news stories all at once, but it's probably just actually a better quality listener experience here for you guys who are listening than us trying to break the, these down individually. Cause the, the point is the same across the board here. And, and so I got two core things to communicate here. One would be you know, it doesn't actually matter whether or not someone who's pro these gun control bills ultimately wants complete firearm confiscation, or if they're just a good person who supports the Second Amendment and they just legitimately feel that this is going to do some good. Like, it won't actually matter. And and the reason is because when we say slippery slope, I realize that's a cliche, but it's a reality, not not because of intent, but because of results. The slippery slope exists because the legislation that's being proposed won't work. And because it won't work, they'll have to continue to propose new things and new things and new things, hoping to actually solve the problem. And none of these things will actually solve the problem. And so it's a slippery slope, not because every single person who would vote yes for these bills ultimately wants all guns to be confiscated. That's not the reason. It's a slippery slope because when one of these bills gets passed and they realize it's done nothing whatsoever to stop the gun violence, they will pass more bills because they do want to stop the gun violence. And they think that in their mind, the only way to do it is gun control. And that that's the issue. And, I, and the here'd cry, be the other thought. The cry will always be, it's, we, we haven't done enough. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we have to do more. We have to do more. Like clearly, we haven't done enough yet, right? Um, and and it's, it's background checks is a perfect example. What will happen when everyone has to pass a background check? Well, more crime will happen. So what will they say then? Oh, now now we need to actually register all these guns. Um, you know, we already do all the background checks. So let's just keep a database of all these background checks instead of destroying the records like we currently do. Uh, that will allow us to trace these guns and you know and stop the crime. Oh, it won't. It won't stop the crime. So then, what will happen? Do you think? Right? Like think right. about where this has to go is it'll be this and then that and then that eventually confiscation will have to come. Now here's here's the second point. And, and you said, uh, you know, in terms of what, what do we do? Here, here's my, my belief. Yes, education is good. Like I don't disagree with you. We do have to educate the voting public. We definitely need them to understand what actually does what, what means what. And I, th- I think as a company, we do our best. But I also believe that if we want to win the battle here over our gun rights, we also need a, an alternative proposal that people can get behind. Um, because what what is politically has always caused the pro-gun rights people, uh, you know, including ourselves, the challenge is that we appear to be doing nothing while our opponents appear to be doing something. And so we do need to figure out what is it that we can do to try and stem gun violence in this country, whether that's legislative or not, having some like legitimate, like, you know, flag we can wave in, into battle that people can get behind and say, I am with you. That's going to also make a difference. And so, and, and, and I'm not trying to propose any specific solutions and maybe you listeners, like you should email us stuff and maybe we'll have a whole episode about actually good, you know, <laughs> good law and good ideas that would limit, um, you know, gun violence. But I do believe we need an alternative solution to um, essentially sitting here and always being on the defense. Please don't pass those laws. Please don't pass those laws. I'd like to be able to say, please don't pass those laws. And instead, let's go do this. This will actually stop gun violence. Well, that's a tricky thing, what you just said right there, though, too. I mean, like, this will actually stop gun violence. Like, I I don't believe that we can ever, and I'm, I know you don't believe this either. I don't think we can ever stop gun violence. Sure. You know, like it's just because it's it's gun violence is just one type of violence. I mean, there's always going to be violence uh, and that's part of the problem. I mean, we can look at the UK, we could look at Australia. We, you know, we've reported on some of these stories where, you know, uh, violent crime is not what 
the media would have you believe it to be. They'd, they'd have you believe it's just like beautiful, perfect nirvana uh, because they completely confiscated firearms. Uh, it, it, the reality is that it is not. Um, and there's actually some troubling signs in some of these places that have confiscated and basically outlawed all guns. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's just we have to understand we've got to be willing to accept the fact that there will be violence. And and if there's guns, which there will, I don't think you will ever see a a day on this earth where where there will not be a gun ever again. Like it's just, that's not, I mean, it's like saying there won't ever be, you know, that, that, that a day will come that nuclear weapons are completely gone from this earth, you know, or drugs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's just not going to happen while I'm alive, whatever. I mean, or even beyond that, I don't necessarily think, that uh, we're ever going to see, you know, Nirvana and and all that is not coming. Uh, (laughs) It's not going to happen. I'm sorry to say that, Uh, you know, we will do all the best that we can and do our own little part in our communities and our families and our homes and our schools, our churches to try to move that direction. And can we make positive uh, progress, you know, in a small way? Yeah, we can. But the fact is there's whole entire countries and nations and groups of people in the world that would, you know, in an instant come here and try to their, to do their best to destroy us. Uh, you know, so the fact is, I, I like, I like what you said, by the way, about the, the, the anti-gunners can put on this air or this appearance that look, we're doing stuff and you gun rights folks aren't doing anything. You just want, you know, yeah, you're just going to stand by and you're going to cling to your guns and whatever. Like, actually, that's a pretty good point. Um, I don't know what we would propose to. I don't either. You know, I mean, other than like more training and more people uh, with, you know, more responsible, trained people with guns out there. And hopefully we have a greater chance of stopping this crap uh, when it happens. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one. We all know that, but we're bringing this to your attention today because I really think that that we, I see individuals in our community that are complacent right now that are thinking, ah, we're good. We've got Trump in the in the White House, we've got a Republican controlled Senate and House representatives. We're good. We're good. Well, guess what? We might not be good next year. A year from now, where we have uh, the mid-election cycle, you know, where we're electing new House of Representatives and some Senates, you know, about a third of the Senate is going through a re-election next year. <laughs> Things could change, uh, and you know, I mean, you could very easily see the Senate switch swing the other way. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get things passed through that are going to be pro-gun control. Uh, but if the House substantially loses and goes the other way, that could be a real big problem. Well, and, and I still I, think that – I'm sorry, right? Go ahead. I was going to say I could see Trump being a little bit different president if he didn't have a – I mean, he, it, he's already having a hard time getting along with and working with a Republican-controlled House and Senate. Can you imagine if it went the other way and we had Democrat-controlled uh, Congress? Um, you know – I could just see some things happening that uh, would be very harmful towards gun rights. Yeah. And I, I, I'm inclined to also say that we, we sometimes forget, and I know we've said this many times and, you know, maybe we're preaching the choir, but these, the battle is not always at the national level. It's at the state level. And we just talked about Virginia, you know, with the new governor and New Jersey, you know, more states that are able to get a little bit of more closer toward you know confiscation, more states that get universal background check laws, the more states that get have to keep it locked up at home laws, the more states that get firearm you know, registration laws, the more states that win those little victories, the closer we are to losing you know control. And and, and frankly, like it it doesn't it doesn't take much. Uh, as, as it's, it's not all about the Senate and the house and the white house. Like it's not always about Washington, DC, the, the tides can turn nationally at the state level. Yeah. Well, you know, I like where we started when we started this episode today, as far as first talking about good news out of Michigan, where maybe gun rights will expand a little bit there as gun free zones are, uh, taken away you know, a number of them, uh, people are able to carry and defend themselves in more places. Uh, 
But then we also talked about some state issues where we saw state governors elected that, you know, are not a win for us gun rights folks. So, you know, by the way, a little bit of a, of a tangent here. Uh, another story here. Trump Pentagon nominee says it's insane civilians can buy AR-15s and semi-automatic rifles. Uh, Dr. Dean Winslow, a nominee for the Department of Defense's Assistant Secretary of Health Affairs, told a Senate committee on Tuesday. This is a Senate committee that is, you know, looking at him, considering him, you know, uh, um, as a nominee to the Pentagon. Uh, and he told them in this interview, in fact, he was asked, uh, he was responding to a question about the Texas church shooter and whether or not he should have been given a dishonorable discharge from the military instead of a bad conduct, co- bad conduct discharge. The former would have most certainly prevented the shooter from purchasing firearms. According to Vox, uh, Winslow first said the Air Force failed by not reporting the shooter's record to civilian authorities, a mistake that allowed the shooter to buy the gun he used to massacre more than two dozen people. Then he added, I'd also like to, and I may get in trouble with other members of the committee, just say how insane it is that in in the United States of America, a civilian can go out and buy a semi-automatic assault rifle like an AR-15, which apparently was the weapon that was used. You know, when, when I talk about how it's not that far-fetched to see how quickly the tide can change. And even people that may appear to be friendlies, uh, you know, as far as on gun rights policies, uh, you know, the, this is someone that is being considered that was appointed by Trump. Uh, you know, and, and not that all of his appointments have been uh, flawless appointments, but this is, this is how easily easy you can, you could just see how this is a person that's considered for a very high position within our national government. And even he is saying, Hmm, you know, this is crazy that people are allowed to have weapons like this, which are a standard, you know, my, in my opinion, AR 15 rifles are so common. I mean, it is the people's rifle in my opinion. And this very thing this very tool is under attack right now. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy uh, statement there that he made, and boy, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's going to make it through the nomination process, especially saying something like that. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> crazy stuff. Um, by the way, going back to uh, Republican re- representative of Wisconsin, Sean Duffy, uh, what he said, and talking about the slippery slope, uh, this was a uh, quite a fascinating uh, little segment on CNN uh, really, I think you ought to go see, I mean, cause he, he really, you know, makes some, some solid points in this discussion. Uh, he, he's basically discussing with Chris Cuomo, uh, who's the host or co-host of CNN's new day. And they've got a little bit of a disagreement between the two of them uh, as far as on some gun policies, particularly background checks. Uh, and, you know, we see in Chris Cuomo's statements that, you know, with the true intention here, that when we, when we, when they talk about background check loopholes, um, they really mean that everything should require a background check. And you know what? If that's the, what the requirement is, that if you require, because where they got into it a little bit here in this interview was that Cuomo was saying, hey, background checks on everything. And Representative Duffy is like, well, I'm okay generally with background checks, but I mean, imagine that you have a father who wants to give a gun to his son, you know, or something within a family. Uh, if you required background checks on all that, that's pretty intrusive into Americans' lives. Like you're you're telling people what they can and cannot do, or that they've got to go through a very certain you know particular process that, that likely costs them money, that they're taxed in some way probably to do, uh, and. You're, you're telling them that for me to give my son a gun or a grandfather to give it to a grandson or, or something like that, that they've got to go through a background check, which is kind of ridiculous because we usually do background checks because we, we don't know people and, and we do a background check to learn about them and find out if they're a psycho or not, you know? And it's like, <laughs> so where I'm going with this is I also recently watched a video, Jacob, Uh, I think it was a Steven Crowder bit uh, louder with Crowder. Some people might be familiar with uh, his little segment. He has some brilliant little uh, video segments and he did this one where he was uh, interviewing and talking with uh, 
pro gun control supporters as they were rallying someplace and he's walking down the street with them and asking them questions. And let me just, I, I wrote down a lot of the ideas that were coming out of these people's mouths as far as like what they would like to see. Number one, funding for studies. Studies meaning uh, looking at guns and gun violence and, you know, just funding, providing more funding so we can study those statistics, find out what, what, what statistics are and what they mean. Number two, 100% gun registration. And I would say, I would count, I would, I would argue that if you require 100% background checks on transfers, including within families, then you are really not that far fetched or you're not that far away from just going, yeah, let's just require registration on all guns. Yeah, all, all it means is just saving the data instead of deleting it. Right. Okay, so that's number two, 100% gun registration. Number three, AR-15 rifles, and this is in quotes from this lady, absolutely not. Okay, so those are gone. Bye-bye. Number four, gun checks, meaning universal background checks. And they want, and, and this one lady says, I'd like to see deep background checks. Imagine a... But FBI background check on a gun purchase where you got to dig back seven or 10 years into your history and provide all that to the government just to buy a gun. That's what they want. Number five, waiting periods, mandatory waiting periods. So you go in to buy a gun. You also got to get background check and then you got to wait three, seven, 14, 30 days, whatever. Then the longer, the better in their, in their world. Okay. Before you can pick up that gun. Number six, no semi-automatic at all was what one lady suggested. Okay. No semi-autos. That means what? Like 70, 80% of guns. Goodbye. See you later. Number seven, repeal the second amendment. This lady, the one lady would love to just see that just entirely repealed. Number eight, limit to the number of guns that you can own. And we see this in virtually all European countries and many countries throughout the world where you're only able to have uh, you know, five guns or 10 guns. In some countries, it's like you can have up to eight handguns or up to eight rifles. But if you're going to have a combination of the two, you can only have like five or 10 or something total. I don't know. So, you know, just weird stuff where you have these weird limits as if that makes a difference to stopping crime uh, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Number nine, ammunition limitations. And we also see this in foreign countries uh, where you, I think in, even in Switzerland, we love to hold Switzerland up as this country where it's one of the few bastions of freedom, you know, gun freedom in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, in Europe where, you know, 70% of households or whatever have a gun in the household. And because many of these serve in the military, well, just a few years ago, did you know that this, that Switzerland passed a law? You can only, I think buy, like 60, unless you're using it at a range. So personally, you can only buy personally or have on hand 60 rounds per year. You you know, that seems kind of ridiculous. Well, gee, I can't do a whole lot of shooting or practicing. Well, the exception is if you, if you buy it and use it at a range, then you can shoot however much you want, but you can only have, you know, purchase personally 60 rounds per year. That's crazy. So I just gave you, you know, nine things that are, these are all things I promise you are on the radar from these anti-gunners. Yeah, that's, it's absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, if anyone is, is feeling complacent, hopefully that's your wake up call. Yeah. Th- this is stuff that is being talked about right now by people on the other side and by people, regular citizens. This is what the, this is what non-gun owners on the other side, this is what they're talking about. This is what they would like to see. All right. We've, uh, we've hashed it out. Let's get into some justified stories. First up, they had guns, masks, and a 17-year-old to kidnap, police say. Then her dad stepped in. This is a crazy story. This happened, what was it, November 9th, just a few days ago. This was in Florida, Okaloosa County. The story goes that uh, these four teen boys prepared for a, a, a kidnapping of this 17-year-old daughter of a man they believed to be wealthy and to rob the family's home in the process. They were armed, and inside their SUV they were driving, they had uh, masks, guns, a knife, a roll of tape, and latex gloves. They even put barrels on the road leading to the family's home, 
hoping to obstruct the teen girl's path to the house so that she would get out of the car. But that wasn't enough. She ended up somehow driving around these barricades they put in the road. She then got to the house uh, and she actually called her father to say, hey, there's this weird roadblock. All right. Uh, But apparently didn't think anything of it or do anything at, at that point. But a short time later, the father heard dogs barking and a car door slam. Floodlights were activated as well, so he knew somebody was outside. He armed himself with a gun, and he found someone trying to break into his garage. He fired three shots, and the intruders fled into the woods. It was later that the police caught up with them uh, and saw and found what they had inside the vehicle, which gave them the impression that these guys were trying to attempt uh, a, a kidnapping and a robbery. Yeah, Way to well, go, and, and, Dad, for being you know alert and aware and, and taking steps that uh, probably kept that from happening. Yeah, and, and and you know this is not all conjecture. You know, it's the the law enforcement is not just guessing. You know, they they they're obviously they interview these people. They've been arrested, and so this is this this turns out to be what they were actually planning to do. You know, kidnap yeah. a girl, rob a house, and then collect a ransom later. Uh, this is darn near a Mel Gibson movie. I mean, this this is <laughs> this is serious stuff. So. Ultimately, you know, we have a daughter who was on her game. Not only did she not stop the car, but she called her dad and let him know what had happened so that that was probably in his mind, right? He was thinking about that incident from earlier in the day when he heard somebody trying to break into the garage. So, yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of things worked out well here. Yeah. Yep. So there's your first uh, justified story. Next up, East Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I know exactly where this happened. You know, I, I lived there a number of years ago, Jacob, and it's kind of fun when you, you know, you, you read a story from somewhere that you haven't been in a long time, but yet you feel like you can relate to it. And so uh, this happened in East Las Vegas, uh, where a man suspected of stabbing his stepfather was shot by a witness to stop him. Uh, this is quite an interesting story. So a man passing by saw a suspicious interaction is how he described it in a vehicle that rocked back and forth. It was just a dispute between a stepfather and stepson. The witness saw 30 year old James Garcia stab his stepfather inside the vehicle. The witness who had a concealed carry weapon screamed at Garcia to stop. Garcia walked toward the witness, then returned to the car where it appeared he would stab his stepfather again. The witness then fired his gun at Garcia, hitting him in the stomach and stopping him. The man was taken to the hospital in critical condition. Uh, sounds like he may pull through because the, they upgraded his uh, condition to stable. Wow. I mean, yeah. this is what it's about, you know, about having armed citizens out there that are ready, prepared and, and, and well-trained. I mean, I would argue this guy apparently was well-trained because he, he took all the right steps here. He saw something happening that was scary and dangerous. Uh, and he, he, but he didn't go right to the gun, first of all, right? Like he gave this guy opportunities. He yelled at him to stop. And then when it appeared the man was going to continue to be a threat, whether to him, the witness, or the stepfather, then he pulled out the gun and then he shot him, you know? So bravo. Yeah, you I, saved I, a man's life. I love these good Samaritan stories, right? Because the, the the good guy with the gun in this case was not directly involved in the incident, right? He just happened to be a witness. Yeah. Saw what was going on and decided to to get involved, to do something about it. And, you know, I was thinking a little bit about this in terms of tactics. You know, if I was approached, if I see two people in a car fighting and doing their thing, you know, I might be thinking through, okay, what am I going to do? And I might be thinking about taking some positions of cover. Uh, You know, that guy clearly has a knife, but I don't know if he's also armed. He gets out of the car, starts to come toward me. And that might be a position, a a time where I'm thinking about, you know, where where are my tactics? What am I doing? And, And, you know, kind of preparing. So as you're thinking through this, if you're imagining it, maybe that's helpful. You know, what I also like about the story is the timeliness of it, Jacob, in that, you know, we, re- we recently filmed this vehicle uh, tactics course uh, in Utah. We've been talking about that some recently. We did a podcast episode kind of talking about some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he shot him outside the vehicle, but you could easily see this happen where, uh, you know, maybe the stepson is inside the vehicle, actively stepping the stepfather who's also inside the vehicle. And you're seeing this from outside the vehicle and you're forced to shoot through a windshield or something to, to try to stop that. You know, it, it's not that far fetched. And no. so, you know, like so, some people will say it's dumb to, you know, ever think that you need to train or learn how to you know, shoot into or out of or around a vehicle. Uh, when the reality is, I mean, we do see s- situations 
develop all the time that where that sort of thing does come into play or could very easily have come into play. So a uh, really, really cool story there. Fox17.com in Nashville, a story it's titled buyer shoot seller trying to rob them during online sale near West Nashville Kroger. Yeah. This is another interesting one. Cause it, it's kind of, uh, this is one of those where you read it and you think, man, this guy was the, the good guy in this case was bold. And he, I think had a, a very, you know, lucky outcome. But anyway, essentially you got uh, your traditional buyer seller meetup. Um, they're in some parking lot or maybe, or, you know, near, near this Kroger grocery store and it's a car sale. Hey, you want to buy my car? And the seller um, essentially pulls a gun and says, you know, tries to rob the buyer. Hey, you got all this money you've b- brought with you to buy my car. How about I keep the car and take your money? So pulls a gun, uh, you know, draw, draws a firearm, says, give me the money kind of thing. And the seller uh, decides that, that they're not okay with that. Or no, excuse me, not seller, the buyer. The buyer's like, hey, I don't want to lose my cash. And or maybe, hopefully, the, what the, the buyer's thinking here is, oh my gosh, I'm feeling threatened. This guy's probably going to take this money and shoot me and, and leave me dead here on the ground. So the buyer draws his own gun and uh, fires fires back. And uh, you know the, the shots are exchanged. And as far as I can tell from reading this, it sounds like only the seller, the bad guy, was hit. And uh, he made a little ways away before he collapsed near the entrance of the grocery store. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was interesting that this is like, what, two times in two weeks that we have uh, similar stories, you know, incidents that take place at a Kroger store or a grocery store. And uh, anyway, oh, and also we had the story too recently. The, the We had another Craigslist uh, story. Wasn't that just last week as well? Something, yeah, it's been recent. Yeah. Yeah. So be careful out there. Um, and if you are going to do deals like that, I mean, I'll tell you what, when, when I do anything Craigslist related, number one, I do my very best to vet the people I am going to interact with. And by that, I, I, I have a way of asking questions and paying attention to answers that, you know, I, I kind of go, okay, this sounds legit or no, there's something fishy going on here. And I have definitely walked away from uh, you know, by, by walk away, usually it happens over a text message or something where I'm just like, mm, no, I'm, I, I think I'm done responding to this person. But then when I do meet someone, uh, I do everything I can to meet in a public, you know, space. I've met in police uh, department parking lots uh, or in front of the station. I have, you know, met even at people's homes, but I'm, I am carrying a gun and I am ready when I approach those situations. I am ready, uh, it, you know, in an instant to go into defense or fight mode. So anyway, final story from ksat.com. That is Channel 12 ABC out of uh, Shirts, Texas. And this is uh, the title is Shirts Car Wash Owner Shoots Burglar Breaking Into His Business. Why don't you give us yeah, a rundown on this one as well? Yeah, so the this is an interesting one because the, the owner of the business was not in the business when the guy tried to break in. He was driving by and he noticed something was was suspicious or unusual. So he stops at his car wash and he drives around the back. He sees a, a car there and he sees that the back door is open and he says to himself, ain't nobody supposed to be in there but me. That door should not be open. So he gets out of his own car, goes into the gas into the gas station, to the office and confronts the suspect who apparently has broken into a room where the money vault is located, according to police. So there's a confrontation there and the business owners, I can imagine saying things like, Hey, stop, you know, that's not your money, whatever, you know, get out of here or something like that. And the criminal comes toward the good guy, the, the owner of the gas station. And apparently not only did he just walk toward him, but he threatened him with a crowbar, according to the gun owner. And the gun owner felt that was sufficient uh, reason for him to fear for his life. And he fired back. Mm-hmm. The suspect is currently at the hospital awaiting surgery for multiple gunshot wounds. Uh, Riley, let me ask you, you know, if someone walked towards you with a crowbar, what do you think? Yeah. It, you know, if they are within you know, a, a reasonably close distance, you know, meaning like they can close that distance within a couple of seconds. Uh, and it's, a, it's clear and apparent that they're going to try to harm me uh, or that I might be in jeopardy. Then uh, I mean, this looks like a clear cut case of self-defense. I do have an additional thought about it, but uh, you know, I mean, that's my, my interpretation here is that if I did end up in a situation where, you know, he, he it sounds like he's kind of in this, room inside the car wash building where you know typically you see on the front side of that car wash building a a money change machine right 
Sure. And so this guy is broken in to rob that machine because it's got loads of cash in it. And, uh, you know, so you're probably in a somewhat confined room and this dude's got a crowbar and all of a sudden he, he acts like he's going to come at you. Yeah. You know, I'm drawing my gun and I'm pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's okay. If maybe if I could make a reasonable and safe escape, that'd be one thing. But yeah, if I'm in a confined space, uh, maybe I don't have a good way to get away. You, you pull up a crowbar and you raise it and you're not that far from me. I, I I'd call that a deadly threat. Yeah. You know, now where, where this could have maybe gone a different direction is if upon noticing the vehicle behind the car wash and maybe noticing that someone was inside the building, uh, maybe you just keep a, your distance and call 911, you know? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very valid point. We talk about this all the time where we talk about, you know, a lot of these stories in the moment when the, when the deadly force encounter took place, the shooter may have been justified, but it's conceivable that some different decisions might have been made earlier on that would not have required a deadly force encounter to have taken place at all. But we don't know. I mean, it's entirely possible that, you know, he might've called 911 and been sitting there and, you know, the 20 minutes it takes for officers to arrive to see if a door open has somebody in there or not, the bad guy might've come out and you might've seen that, that the business owner sitting there, there might've been a confrontation in the parking lot instead. But we, we, you never know how those things are going to go down, but those are all valid, you know, considerations. You know, when you come upon situations like this, First, observe and try to understand what's going on. Uh, be aware of the situation and of your surroundings. And then try to make the best decision that you can before you really involve your... I mean, because here's how I could see this happening pretty easily. You know, may, maybe you're the owner of this car wash and you pull up and you're like, wait, this look, this is a little bit out of place. But, oh, maybe it's just my employee. And, you know, they've gone in there to change out the soaps or whatever for the car wash, you know, machine. And, you know... Typically, they're not here this early in the morning, but, oh, you know, and like you just sort of walk in expecting one thing and suddenly you find yourself face to face with somebody that that wants to escape and they have a weapon in their hand. Um, So I can see the situation developing very quickly, but you definitely I mean, I, I think what I'm taking from this is observe and do your best. You know, I mean, like under try to understand the situation and be aware of your surroundings and have a plan in place as you approach, you know, anything that you feel like is out of place. Uh, you, you got to try to come up with the best plan you can um, and try to avoid if possible, because it's uh, that's always preferable to having to actually use deadly force. But in this case, you know, that's what it came to. And I, I feel like this guy was justified. I, you know, it's funny when you see stories like this and that's like, well, police are trying to determine if they're going to, you know, uh, uh, press any charges against the owner, you know, and it's like, uh, well, you, we might not have all the facts, but based on how this reads, it seems pretty clear cut to me. Yep. Yep. That was a good, it's a good summary. Yeah. All right. So it's time to wrap it up for another episode today. But before we let you go, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. And we are just getting ready to ship out our November gearbox. You are going to want to be a Guardian Nation member. It's a little bit too late to qualify. If you're not qualified already for this November box, now is the time to get that started. If you're going to be, a, especially if you're going to be a monthly member, you got to start paying dues now and so you qualify for the February box coming here in just a few months. And we always have some really great stuff in those boxes. I'm really excited about this November box. Uh, it's going to be a really good one. You know, we, we promise we're going to deliver at least the value of your membership back to you in goods. And that's just, I mean, like it, everything else is icing on the cake after that, right? We're giving you some great gear in exchange of your membership fee, right? And then we give you all the training videos, 10% off everything sold on our online concealedcarry.com store, access to Guardian Nation live broadcasts, and the the huge vault of past you know archived recordings, all this stuff, plus training, just more and more awesome training. So all of this is icing on the cake because you're getting back your membership dues in the form of great quality concealed carry or oriented and self-defense gear. So join Guardian Nation today, guardiannation.com. We hope to see you as part of the nation. And today's other sponsor is the Brave Response Appendix Holster. Now officially available this week, the Brave Response Appendix Holster is fully machine washable, works with any clothes or pants, carries a spare magazine, and is optimized for appendix carry with a small profile, zero cant, and a breathable, comfortable holster pocket that Brave Response is famous for. Check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash BR appendix. And so it's time to sign off. Bid you all farewell and adieu. 
Jacob, anything you want to throw out there? Be vigilant. You know, if you just had an election cycle, then, uh, you know, that, that time has come and, come and gone, but be familiar with who, who you have in office and when they're up for re-election and what their policies are and, you know, be, be prepared. Absolutely. Well, we will sign off there. A reminder to train right, train often, train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.